Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Purpose Filter. I believe we're at episode seven, which apparently is a landmark episode for podcasts. I recently learned that 50% of podcasts don't make it to episode seven. So I guess we, it's cause for celebration. So it's in a bit of an odd week for me. You know that I'm usually surrounded by death, obviously by choice, because I love the work that I do. But usually it's people that I don't know who are strangers and they're my patients. And uh, this week, or in the past week, I found out that a colleague of mine and our team passed away. And um, my husband found out just a couple days ago that one of his friends passed away, both kind of in their prime, one in their 40s, another in their 50s, one accidental and the other from cancer, both obviously tragic. The My husband's friend didn't actually tell a lot of the friend circle that she had cancer, which I think was even more of a shock to the people who knew her. So I suppose the natural transition and what I wanted to talk about today is to talk about grief and loss, something that we've all been feeling so intimately for the past year and a half. And there's different forms of grief. The most intense of which is usually associated with the death of a loved one. But grief happens all the time. People grieve when they lose a job, when they break up with a romantic partner or they get divorced, or when they or someone they know gets sick. There's many different reasons for it. And it happens sometimes unexpectedly, and it pops up even when we don't think we should be experiencing grief. I'll give you a seemingly silly example from my own life. I moved recently, and it's a happy event. I moved from a small one-bedroom apartment to a place that is double the size, two bedrooms, much more quiet, near a park and just a great area. And, you know, I wasn't above loud bars and clubs around the corner from us. And there weren't sirens and ambulances and, you know, cars that were thumping music at 3 a.m. outside my bedroom window. And for the first week or maybe even two, I just remember feeling really really odd. I just didn't know what was, why I felt vulnerable, why I felt off. And then it it hit me, I realized that I was experiencing grief. Obviously, this isn't comparable to the loss of a loved one or anything much more serious, but it's just an example to show you that even amongst happy events or anything like that. When there's transitions in our lives, it's normal to feel grief. And as soon as I recognized that that was what was happening for me, it kind of just, everything made sense. 
There was an article being shared at the beginning of the pandemic. It was from the Harvard Business Review, and it was titled, That Discomfort You're Feeling is Grief. And I'll link to it in the show notes. And as soon as people read it, everyone was like, yes, that's exactly what I'm feeling. Even myself, who deals with this on a regular basis, I didn't recognize it until it was pointed out to me that what I was experiencing was, in fact, grief. There were so many things that were changing at such a rapid pace. How could we collectively and individually not feel grief? So how do we cope with loss? When something is taken away from us, when we no longer have what was once ours, it's incredibly difficult. And I wanted to share a few things that I've learned from taking care of my patients at the end of life, what they've told me, what works, and other insights that I've gained along the way from doing this work. And I'm going to frame it in the context of losing a loved one because that's the most difficult kind of grief that anyone, most people could imagine or experience. And if there's other types of grief that you're experiencing or loss, these can still be applicable to you too. So the first one is just reminding yourself that everything that you're feeling right now is normal. This is a grief reaction. And you've probably heard of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief. They are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And it's commonly misunderstood that people have to experience all five stages and all in a linear fashion from denial through bargaining to acceptance. You can think of it more as here are some common responses during the grieving process that people may find themselves experiencing. And Kubler-Ross, even when she published her final book, said the five stages of grief, they were never meant to help tuck messy emotions into neat packages. They are responses to loss that many people have, but there's not a typical response to loss as there is no typical loss. Our grieving is as individual as our lives. And that brings me to Point number two, which is to allow yourself the time and space to grieve. And that looks different for each person. Some people are very public and open with their grieving process. They want to be able to talk about it with friends and family or even strangers. They are openly crying and showing sadness and displaying emotion. Others prefer to keep it to themselves. You know, I had a friend who lost her mom in high school and she did not tell any of us 
for an entire year because she didn't want school to be different. That was the one place for her where things still felt a little bit normal. And so I think it's important to emphasize that aspect of it, that everyone is going to process death differently. And that's okay. And some people will never feel quote unquote normal again. And many are able to go back to doing the things that they were doing prior to death of a loved one or a friend or a partner or anyone that mattered or that they cared for in their lives. And that brings me to number three, which is it is okay to feel all the emotions that you're having. You notice that there's a theme going on here, allowing yourself, recognizing that this is grief, allowing yourself to feel emotions and not squashing them. There's a lot of emphasis sometimes, especially across cultures, of being brave, this concept that we have to quote unquote hold it together because of whatever it is. We don't want to upset other people. We want to show that we're in control or it's it's frowned upon because of things like toxic masculinity, where women are encouraged to feel and cry and emote, whereas men are thought of to be weak and less than because they are tapping into these quote-unquote more feminine aspects of their personalities. That's just totally ridiculous. And pushing away is only going to make it worse. And the grief is going to come in waves. You've heard probably this analogy to it being an ocean where it's going to ebb and flow where sometimes it's going to feel, you're going to feel okay. And you're like, you know what? I I feel pretty good today. And then something happens out of nowhere and you're just totally back where you were weeks, months, or possibly even years ago. And you're going to feel like you regressed, but that's not the case. Grief is cyclical. It can feel like you're going in circles. And, but that's just a 2D version. You can't see that you're going around in a spiral and it may feel like you're going around in circles, but what's happening is, is that you're actually going upwards into this kind of upward spiral. If you look at it from 3D, you are moving somewhere. You're just moving in the Y-axis up and down. And by allowing yourself to have these emotions, whatever they may be that come up, you are giving yourself the opportunity to move through grief, to move forward through the grieving process. And I want to emphasize that moving forward and moving on are not necessarily the same thing. There are some instances of grief where you may want to feel like you're moving on let's say, a relationship that didn't turn out well or wasn't what you wanted and you want to leave that in the past. 
And for some people, especially with the, the death of a loved one, they don't want to move on because they feel like they're forgetting that person. And I want to emphasize that moving forward doesn't mean that you're forgetting the role that this person played in your life. It just means that you are taking steps toward building a life that can honor the person that you cared for. Doesn't mean that you're for, you're going to forget them. Doesn't mean that you're going to leave the memories behind you. You'll always carry that with you. But and I'm you know I'm the queen of not recognizing or addressing my emotions, and it got me into some really you know negative mental headspaces. And I hope that you can give yourself the opportunity to truly process your grief. And that leads me to number four, which is this concept of control. You may have remembered from the last episode, our contributor, Helena, who was in high school for 9-11. And then shortly after, in rapid succession, one of her grandparents died and then her mom died. And you know, she says something really poignant towards the end, which is we can't control the circumstances around us. We can't control what happens to us. The only thing that we can control is ourselves, our actions, our emotions, our responses. And control and trying to gain it or regain it is something that we see so often at the end of life, people will do some extraordinary things, things that sometimes are not very characteristic of their personalities or true to who they are because they are trying to find ways, any way to be able to control the uncontrollable because they realize what's happening to them. And it makes them feel so powerless that they can't they can't find a way to make the train stop or to make it slow down because they know the destination that they're heading towards. And it's incredibly frightening and no one no one wants to feel that way. And so people will do all sorts of things to try and regain some semblance of control. And whether, you know, for some people, even, you know, that aren't at the end of life, for some people that is substance abuse, for some people that is lashing out emotionally to anyone around them, for some others, it is spending lots of money or engaging in what could be seen as risky behaviors or pursuing medical care or treatments that may not be aligned with who they are or what they've said is important to them in the past. And we see this a lot at the end of life, and that's okay. People will do a lot to try to feel in control. And when it comes to grief, that obviously is even more pronounced. 
what I want to remind you is that there is still so much within your control, even though it doesn't feel like it at all. If you try to remind yourself of that, of the fact that there are things that you can control. It may not feel like it, but if you search for it, if you think about it, you'll be able to find instances. And I hope that that can make you feel like you're regaining some sort of balance or normalcy when everything seems so out of whack. And when things feel out of whack, let's talk about the fifth strategy, which is find support. Find people who are going through the same thing that you are. Allow other people to help you. Some people feel that this is a singular, unique experience to them that no one could ever feel what they're feeling. And that's just simply not true. There's so many people in this world. And unfortunately, death happens unexpectedly. And even when you know it's going to happen because someone's been sick for a long time, it's still devastating. It is still incredibly difficult to deal with it. So find people who are going through the same thing that you are. There are so many support groups for all different types of illnesses or ways that people have passed, whether it's through cancer, heart disease, or, you know, a loss of, let's say, a child, or there's, you know, there's something called the dinner party, which was started for 20 and 30-something-year-olds who normally don't have to experience a lot of death in their lives. And that was a way for them to build community. So there are people out there even amongst your friend group, your family group who want to help, who may be going through the same thing that you are if they knew the person who passed. And so I hope you'll talk to someone about what you're experiencing because it is so, so much easier when you feel like you don't have to go through this alone. Because it's true, you don't have to go through it alone. The final thing that I wanted to share with you when it comes to how to cope with loss is something that I've noticed from my patients, and it's to honor the life of the person that you lost rather than focusing on their death. And what does that mean? I've had patients tell me that what's helped them the most is thinking about what their loved one would have wanted for their life. as And they, they'll say things like, you know, they would have wanted me to live my life. They would have wanted me to get up out of bed. They would have wanted me to go back to work. They would have wanted me to date or fall in love again. They loved me and I loved them and they would have wanted me to have a life. And I think that that's so beautiful and powerful, just thinking about 
how we live our lives with grief, not in spite of it or not pushing it aside, but as using it as a companion. Because for many, many people, grief never truly goes away. You find a way to live with it. And over time, for many people, it gets better and people can feel like they're able to do things again. And for a minority of people, there is such a thing called complicated grief. It is estimated to be 10 to 20% of people. And, you know, women are at higher risk of it. People who had a very codependent relationship or let's say a relationship that brought a lot of stability and it can be really debilitating to the point where it's causing a lot of disruption in their lives. They can't function. They can't go back to work. They can barely take care of themselves. And if that sounds like you or someone you know, please, please, please seek out the help of a mental health professional, bereavement counselors, talk to someone about this because it can be so awful to be in that mindset day in and day out. And it doesn't have to be that way. And I'll leave some links in the show notes for resources for anyone that wants to utilize them. So those are six strategies, you could say, or insights into how to cope with loss. And it's a reminder, one, everything that you're feeling is completely normal. It's a normal part of the grieving process. Two. Allow yourself time and space to grieve because it looks different for everyone. Three, it is okay to feel. Allow yourself to feel the emotions. Let them through you. Number four, remind yourself of the things that you do have control over. Even in a seemingly uncontrollable situation, they are there. Number five, Find support, allow others to help you. And number six, honor the life and the memory of the person that you cared about rather than focusing on their death. You know, it's interesting. My husband and his friends now, they are all calling each other kind of um, in shock that their friend died and they had no idea. And they're organizing a memorial for her. They're posting photos and videos of their time together. And if you've been listening to any of my episodes previously, you probably know what I'm going to say. It's really nice for my husband and his friends to connect. And I know how much it means to him to talk to his friends, but it's a sad truth of life, isn't it? That Sometimes we're all so busy with our own lives and our own troubles that it takes an event like this to reconnect with friends or family. Don't wait for death 
to tell people how much they mean to you. You think they might know, and maybe they do, but what's the harm in a sincere gesture of gratitude for their existence, for their presence in your life? You know, we may not have a lot of time, but maybe even a quick text could do wonders. You never know how that person's going to feel on the other side receiving that. It may make their day. It may, you know, change their lives. Maybe they're in the midst of a mental breakdown and they needed someone to remind them of their worth. And I think that that's so, such a great reminder of strength and the power of the human connection that we could even love and feel for a person so deeply that it causes us to have such marked reactions when they're no longer around. And I wanted to end the episode by reading you a little passage that my coworker wrote. I didn't know him super well, but he certainly left an impression upon me. Someone who's super creative and just a champion of the arts. And he was a voracious reader, something that really inspires me. And he once wrote of his work with child and adolescent patients, quote, they are lifted up one at a time when we win here, when we send a child back on course, back to a path of self-evolving. We too are blessed to share in that vision. Statistically, we may sometimes lose more than we win. We are few and the pitfalls of the world are legion. Whenever I get blue and feel just what is the point when one tough day follows another, when I bear witness to narratives that make me ashamed to be human, I remind myself it is not my task this day to save them all, to heal all the wounded children around me. Just one. And if I but try, I will have become, in my own eyes, less ashamed of my culpability in the shortcomings of humanity. And I can celebrate that one victory and humbly pray for one more. I wanted to share another one that he wrote because he's just so, such a beautiful writer. He also wrote, if you ever had dog writ large in your life, then you know what kind of bond forms. I can only pray that when my great getting up morning comes, the first thing I will hear when my eyes close for the last time will be the soft thwump of her tail signaling me it's time to go play in the fields and among the birds and trees. Yeah, he's just has a way with words and I wanted to share that. Anyhow, as we wrap up, I hope that you will reach out to someone in your life someone that may have come to mind while you were listening to this and just let them know what you feel about them, how much they mean to you. Send a quick text, an email, a phone call, set up an in-person meeting if you can. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. I'll see you on the next one.